Welcome to another episode of the Bottom Line Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Alongside of me is my co-host, Steve. If you want to follow the show on social media, our Twitter and Instagram handles are at bottomline underscore pod. All right, welcome to episode 44 of the Bottom Line Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle. Alongside of me is my co-host, Steve, and we have a very special guest on the show today. It's our boy, Vin Masana, and uh, I'll send it over to you, Steve. Yeah, man, 44. When, when you said it, I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. It seems like, it, like I say it every time, but like we're just knocking out these podcasts. Eventually, we're working way towards 50, and we're just having awesome people on here. Um, so it's like super cool. I love it um so vin what's up man uh happy to have you on here kyle uh brief me a little bit about what you do and everything um but just give us some background about where you're from you know maybe where you went to school and then we'll just get into the other stuff yeah thanks for having me on guys uh so i'm from long island i went to adelphi which plays in the same uh, sports conference as SNU, which i saw kyle is a graduate of so i'm familiar with that um, played baseball my whole life and uh, tore my rotator cuff and labrum. So that was tough. I had my career ended. Um, so I ended up graduating in 2013. Uh, and I really wanted to stay involved with baseball. Um, you know, around that time, I really started listening a lot to, to Mike Stutt. I felt like that that kind of helped me out. Um, and, you know, it was a long path. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be into journalism, but uh, a couple of years later, I started up a blog where we covered uh, college and high school baseball on Long Island here. It was called Baseball on the Island. Um, and then a couple of years later, we rebranded to call it Access Baseball. And um, that's really my life now. It started as a blog. It's my, my full-time job. I also am the uh, Long Island area scout for the San Diego Padres. So my life is, you know, on baseball. Um, and uh, that's pretty much... What I'm up to now, I'm 27 years old, and hopefully they get to do this for a real. That's awesome, man. So where are you from on Long Island? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake Ronkonkoma, right, right, okay. right in the center of the island. I'm from Melville. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so not, and not I went too. To, and I went to Farmingdale for two years. So right awesome. Now, I live right next to the Costco. It's um, a small, small world, boys. Yeah, <laughs> small so world. Um, yep. So that that's really cool because uh, – I was interested to know where you're from because the Northeastern guys, you know, uh, playing baseball is a little bit different than people that play for down South because they have that nice warm weather and they can play all year round and practice all year round. Um, so when did you, when do you end up hurting yourself? Was that in college or? Uh, my junior year, 2012, my, it really hurt the year before that. I, through it and then it right. kind of just got to that point where it wasn't uh wasn't salvageable so i ended up getting checked out cuff labrum and then um they cut me the next year so that was pretty tough mm-hmm. but yeah to your point of south i mean you know i i didn't really got it but you don't really know what it's like in the south and the college kids and the, the high schoolers had just happened until i started to scout and i went to texas a&m and you know, opening weekend, first week, the players from here, it's like they're, it's their first, have a tough winter. 
Whereas Texas A&M, their pitchers have been throwing outside since January 1st and the hitters, it's a live pitching and they, they really just run circles around. Yeah, you're so right. Um, so what, um, so what was like when you were pitching, um, what were you, what was your specialty or what were you good at or what was, um, what was your yeah, niche? So I was, yeah, I was a lefty, um, so you don't really need to throw as hard. And I always felt like I didn't even throw that hard for my age. But then I kind of spiked up in velocity a little bit in senior year of high school from, from working out and stuff. But so I had to pitch backwards, curveball, slider. I was, you know, I had good command of my off-speed stuff. I had a, a very good curveball, I felt like. My niche. Once I got a little bit older and my velocity went up to the low to mid 80s, I felt like I, you know, had the stuff to get strikeouts with. My mm-hmm. cool. So, you yeah. so mm-hmm. what? Um, you just froze for a second there. Sorry. Yeah. What? Um, so transitioning kind of into scouting. Is is that something that um is that something that more or less you pick up on like the like the skills to be a good scout? Is that something that comes from like your baseball? Do you think you tap into like playing baseball? Mm-hmm. Or is that things that you kind of learned outside of the game and and obviously it's like play it's of playing baseball, but do you think that because you're a scout do you use skills that you've learned outside of the game itself where maybe it's uh, locker room stuff or uh, or front office yeah. stuff or, or or is it more of like actual – all right, so I used to play baseball and I think I'm a good scout because I used to play type thing. Oh, no, it's definitely a mix of it. I mean, when I played, I, you know, I think I was pretty cerebral. So I did – I probably could have transitioned right away from playing Cause I kind of did that. I work. I, I for one year I worked at Baseball Info Solutions, uh, in in Pennsylvania. So I basically was a scout right out of right out of college. But as far as like a major league team, I definitely think you need some training. Like I'm friends with a lot of guys that are re- that were already in it, and you kind of u- learn some of the lingo. You know, like I don't want to get too technical, but you know, there's certain things in scouting that you you only pick up on once here can step aside from the game because I wasn't a professional pitcher. So I'm not, I didn't live it. You know, I, I played, but I don't know what a plus plus fastball looks like. Cause I didn't step in the box against it. So that to answer the question, it's definitely a mix. Cause I, I played, but I didn't play professionally. So most of the stuff that I do know is from the last four years since I graduated college. That's interesting. Yeah, because so it sounds like you're saying it's, it's an even mix between both. No matter how good of a scout you are, you kind of need uh, both sides of it. So <clears throat> yeah. what's like what's like the kind of best part and worst part about being a scout? Is it like um, that you, you got to look at all these guys and you, and you really got to make a decision? And, and at, I feel like at, <clears throat> at your point or your level, like – it's important to do so, but you're nitpicking, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, they're maybe built the same way, especially cause they're from the Northeast. So, you know, the guys that are pretty good, they're all kind of, you know, mm-hmm. at the same level for lack of a better term, but um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what's your take on that? Well, I think it's a pretty in-depth question, but to give you the, 
shortage version of it. Well, first, really, my you know my livelihood doesn't come from the money I make from scouting. Um, so I would say, you know, from from being a business owner that relies on on baseball, the best part about it is doing what I love to do. I mean, that's that's the rewarding part. Getting a kid to the next level. I can't tell you how many times parents texting me it's usually the dad saying you know you put up a video of my son and it got x amount of views and now you know st john's called me or fordham and that has happened and that is a rewarding thing because i'm not asking for anything uh the worst part about the same thing is that you know the nights the weekends um you know not necessarily holidays but you know usually the weekends are are shot when you're when you're covering college and high school baseball there's a lot of tournaments on holidays so just the time commitment, uh, the unknown of where, where your next paycheck is coming from. Obviously, there's certain weeks where you make more, there's weeks you make less. But, you know, in the weeks that you make less, there's, you know, you start to doubt yourself. So I think a lot of, you know, that's where you kind of struggle with why you're doing this. So that's definitely the worst part of what I do. As far as the worst part of being a scout is the frustration of, you know, driving 40 minutes to a game the kid performs bad or he's a hitter and he gets intentionally walked three times and he didn't take the bat off his shoulder or it rained and they didn't even play the game or everything went well. You put up a good report on him and he gets drafted by another team. So there's a lot that could go wrong. The amount of things that go right as a scout are very small. That's why the guys that draft the Steven Matzes of the world, you know, just to, I just mentioned him because he's from Long Island. Those guys have jobs for life because they found a local kid that made it to the major leagues, um, you know, even a bigger name than him, you know, Miguel Cabrera, the guy that drafted him in 1999 or whatever, he never bought a drink again in, in his town because mm. he got a Hall of Famer. So you do not find big leaguers every year. So the, thing, the amount of things that go right are <laughs> few and far between as a professional scout. Is there, so, sorry, Steve, one sec. Uh, Vin, has, has, or is there any prospect that you've you've that's made it to the big leagues that you've scouted? No, last year was my first year. We did take a kid from Fordham mm-hmm. that's from Long Island, Reese Kinnear with the Padres. So he's got a shot, but nobody is directly linked mm-hmm. to me that's in the major leagues. We do have, you know, Marcus Stroman's from Patchogue Medford. Mm-hmm. We got Steven Matz. Um Sean Nolan was on the Blue Jays for a little while, Kevin McCarthy. So there's Long Island guys, but there's nobody that to this point I could attest is is so called my guy, but I do feel. More have you of, have yeah. you met them or like been in connection yeah. with them? Yeah, well, Marcus yeah. is my age. We actually me Stroman and Matt's all graduated in 2009. So oh, well. I mean, I used to yeah I used to play against them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on MLB.com you'll see Stroman and Matt's pitched against each other in a game. That was pretty legendary. There was like 30 scouts there. People always talk about that. But, yeah, I remember, you know, Marcus since I was nine years old because his dad and my dad used to go to the same gym together. So we go back, uh, you know, a pretty long time. His father was actually the first one to offer his condolences when my dad passed away. So that was a nice thing and something he didn't need to do, obviously. But that goes a long way. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome story, though. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that's that's so that's so cool that it, you know the baseball world is so uh, is so interesting because mm-hmm. the next thing I'm gonna get into because because um, I have my own opinions on baseball generally that I want your uh, idea on but like the baseball world such a strong world and so like the connections are so 
really tight-knit, strong, right? yeah, yeah. tight knit and a small world, you know, like a lot of, a lot of small world stuff in the baseball world. But like at the end of the day, and this is kind of like what I wanted to talk to you about is that like the game itself is difficult to say the least for, yeah. from a viewer standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a lot of those things. So I have written down here, um, and I'd like you to complete the sentence if you could. Um, if I was the baseball commissioner tomorrow, I would change and then dot dot dot. So mm. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if um, if you would it's kind of, that I've thought about. Yeah. So I want to I want to think of I want to pick into that a little bit, and I'm not sure if it's something that like I said where it's like you might be changing the game. But what's your opinions on like the state of baseball right now, and then um, kind of what you would change, like I said, if you were baseball yeah. commissioner. Yeah, it's a great question, and it's pretty relevant right now because of everybody seems to be complaining about baseball and the Kyler Murray, Murray situation. Look, there's no doubt that um, that it's lost its allure with the younger fans. I mean, there's a reason why Vine was so successful. Kids have short attention spans. If they can't sit through a six-second video, they're not going to watch you know, a three-hour baseball game. But I think the core, core fans – like myself, I mean, like they have me for life. All my friends that are diehard baseball fans, they have us for life. We're the ones sitting through 162 games, spring training games. I'm not going anywhere. The problem is the 11-year-old kid that would rather play Fortnite is really what is a da- is, is dangerous for the game because they're not going to continue to succeed when the baby boomers die. Like 50-year-old people right now or that watch every Yankee game, when they're when they pass away, and the current kids that are 10 years old and they're adults, they're not watching baseball anymore. So I think that's really the, the, the problem is it's more down the road than it is right now. But as far as what I would change, number one, I would move the mound back. I think I, I've mentioned this with my friends. They're all against me, but there's just there's not enough activity. There was 42,000 strikeouts last year in Major League Baseball. There was like 41,000 hits. Mm-hmm. The first year ever that there's been more strikeouts and hits. That should never happen. I think it's too difficult to hit the average velocity is 93 miles an hour whereas when just 10 years ago when I was in high school it was 91 in the major league so if you throw 92 miles an hour you throw below average just think about that for a second and I think it's too difficult to hit so I would move the mound back let's just say like a foot lower the velocity to maybe back to where it was at 90 miles an hour where kids were players can actually consistently make contact. That's number one. And the other thing that I would do is probably make a deadline for when guys can sign. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Look, you could, you know, have an opinion one way or the other about if Bryce Harper should have signed by now, but it definitely shouldn't have leaked into, into report day for pitchers and catchers. So look at the excitement of the of basketball and football free agency as soon as somebody's a, a free agent as soon as they're allowed like Kirk Cousins signed mm-hmm. like what three hours later that's the way it should be mm-hmm. I think that there should be a deadline probably of January 1st because they should go into camp knowing who's where they're going to be going like, yeah that's my that, that is my that's my biggest thing I mean obviously the pace of play is a huge factor for me like, mm-hmm. I I can't sit there. I'll be honest with you. I can't sit there and watch every baseball game all summer mm-hmm. long. Um, you know, mm-hmm. every hour of it. It's good to throw mm-hmm. on in the background. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is they they just don't they don't market their stars enough. I mean, yeah, that's huge. 
I mean, the fact that we're sitting here and spring training's almost right around the corner and two of the biggest names in baseball still haven't signed yet. I mean, yep. geez, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, and the guys that are signed, um, they don't really do enough. Of, they don't do a good job. I mean, I was trying to figure out, you know, that's not a, a news story, really. That's That's been going on is that they've never been great with marketing their stars. But I remember Gary V's podcast last month where he was talking about what he would do. He said, first of all, you have – this generational talent in Javier Baez and the league doesn't uh, embrace his authenticity. He should be, his face should be everywhere. He's a a young relevant player in the Latino community and we don't have enough, you know, representation of that. So guys like Javier Baez, they need to be on the cover of the video games, maybe Mm. not the white athletes because people already know who Bryce Harper is. Number two is incorporating gambling. Really? I mean, you look at, um, how big it is in football. You have these entire knockoff NFLs being built around gambling. What to pick the next play? Why not do that in baseball? Have an app where you can pick what's going to happen on the next play or even taking it to the next level. What's going to happen in batting practice? Is it going to be a home run or is it not going to be a home run? Mm-hmm. Put money on that. That plays right into people having short attention spans. And then you can monetize that. Obviously, MLB can take a cut. And guess what? Now you have kids that have short attention spans. They're They're hooked on it again. Or have a live stream of, of the batting practice at the very least, so that it's not, uh, if it's a 10, 10 p.m. start on the West Coast, that a kid from Long Island can watch Mike Trout take batting practice against, you know, when he's playing on the West Coast that right. night. So there's definitely things that they can do, and the problem is, they're just even when they do change, it takes forever for them to actually come to a decision. Nothing ever is easy when it comes to making changes in baseball, which is my biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard something the other day that they're going to try to implement some like a pitch clock and some stuff mm-hmm. with spring training in the All-Star game and see how it works out from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, they've done it in the minor leagues. And mm-hmm. um, obviously I can't completely relate to it because I didn't, you know, they didn't have that at any level when I was playing. But all I could say is that the people that they've pulled in the minor leagues, which is it's already going on in the minor leagues, they all said you get used to it. So I, you know, I guess you have to take their word, you know, on it because mm-hmm. I didn't live it. But I would say I don't like it because I think there's loopholes in it. For example, it's 20 second clock. You have to get ready to to pitch in 20 seconds. But if the hitter calls a timeout, guess what? The clock starts again. Mm-hmm. If the pitcher steps off the mound, clock starts again. So it's not really addressing the main issue, which is actually making the pitcher deliver the ball. And the other thing is you don't want it to be some type of thing where it's like down to one second and now the guy needs to like crow hop and just throw the ball to get rid of it. So, I mean, I don't think the 20 seconds in between the pitch is the problem. It's the fact that they're not making contact with the ball, which is why I recommend moving the mound back because Mm -hmm. that would make more contact. The average time of the game, by the way, and you guys could jump in after this, hasn't really gone up by that much. I mean, it's two hours and 57 minutes for a game. Most people know that a baseball game is three hours. That never really changed. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah. I I just I I don't know. It, it's just I guess a kind of wait and see kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, as the game evolves, how, is it going to get more relevant? Is it going to speed up? There's so many questions revolving it uh, right now. It where. I'll just say this. I don't yeah. think it will. I think that baseball is too stuck in its ways. Mm. They're Like I said, they're not going to lose me. I'm still going to be at opening day. I'm still going to watch every game. 
but they're going to lose the younger fans because yeah. they're not the NBA that, you know, the NBA has the young attention. They have the soccer has, has the young crowd. I mean, FIFA was huge for the game, for the game of soccer. And mm-hmm. baseball needs to bridge that gap because not only are they behind football, they're behind basketball and they're behind NASCAR mm-hmm. and they're behind college football, they're behind college basketball, and they're probably behind international sports like soccer at this point. So baseball is dying. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to watch from business perspective, from a viewer's perspective. Like I just I'm like dying for them to make it more interesting. Like like whatever it is, you know. And I can't believe that the people that run uh, that run baseball aren't trying to do the same every single day. And if to, and if they're try if they're gonna turn around and say if someone if someone within the baseball higher ups is trying to say oh we're trying to make it better, I I think it's just bullshit because. There's got to be things like you're saying. I'm sure, you know, there's very smart minds in baseball that have great ideas as well that like yours that that um, that has other good ideas, too. You know, I'm sure there's answers to these problems, but it's just it's just they have to get um, working on it. Well, but, the biggest uh, issue, the reason why it doesn't happen, not only because the it always gets met with a negative reaction from the older baseball fans, is the fact that any decision that they make is not just in the best interest of the players, but it's in the best interest of the owners and the commissioner. So very rarely is there an issue that can be agreed upon by the players, the ownership and the commissioner. That's three different people with different best interests in mind. Right. And that's why I think there's probably going to be a strike after 2021. Cause they're just so far apart with, with so many things. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. And really... Who do you guys like your Red Sox fans? Red Sox for sure, man. And awesome. my dad's, my dad's a diehard Met fan, and mm-hmm. I've like like I was kind of touching upon. I grew up a Met fan, but I've just lost mm-hmm. touch with the sport because of. Uh, well, I mean, I am a hundred and thirty percent emotionally involved with my Saints back there, so yeah. uh, so it's kind of hard for me to enjoy another sports team. But yeah. it's just the sport has lost taste for it over the years for me, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, listen, I'm hoping that they can make some changes because I know I, I love playoff baseball. Um, like I I thoroughly, and I'm only going on this little rant too because like I because you're diehard baseball guy Kyle loves baseball and I'm just kind of like that like on the fence viewer and I know that maybe a couple of the people we listen to are kind of like that as well and or they don't watch at all so my point is is that like it's a it's a fun sport at its core and 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 there's people like you that that are so dedicated to it and they love it um but like just generally speaking it could be a better game and there could definitely be people that like our new fans of baseball in the years to come, if they were to make some of these decisions. Um, yeah. And on a side note with your saints, it's funny because I'm a Jets fan, but my, I would say my second favorite team is the, is the saints. I really like Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. Right. I actually have his Jersey hanging behind me. Hey, look at that. I like Alvin Kamara, but um, yeah, I think that baseball's definitely falling behind. I mean, other thing to, I, I put, I tweeted this, a couple weeks ago because I was talking to one of my friends who doesn't like baseball at all. And I said to him just as a social experiment, I go, can you name one baseball player right now? And he goes, did, uh, did Derek Jeter retire? (laughs) Oh Jesus. Five years ago, he goes, then no, that was the only player that he can name. And you know what? 
my girlfriend, who's not a baseball fan, she can't name anybody either. So mm. I think baseball's problem is that there's no Q rating. Um, you know, everybody knows who LeBron James is. Everybody knows who Tom Brady is. You don't need to know anything about the sport outside of the fact that they're players. But the fact that nobody can name a baseball player, it's just it's a long season. And I get people not being tuned in for the whole year. Mm. But to not even know who the who the national league MVP is or, right. you know, it's, I couldn't it, tell you. That's problem. I couldn't tell you who it was last year. I could tell you who the AL MVP is. <laughs> it was bets, right? Yes, yeah, sir. So, yeah. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm that typical, like I'm a, I'm a sports fan. So I follow all the, you know, the trade rumors and the free agent signings. I've always mm-hmm. been like all my life into that kind of stuff. But to mm-hmm. sit, I can't sit down and watch every single game of every single mm-hmm. sport. I just, it, it's not yeah. possible, you know, my, it, yeah. not just my, you know, my attention span, but it's my, you know, my schedule and all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. as well. But well, look, how old, how old are you? I'm 24. All right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't sit and watch every single game anymore. When I was a kid, I did like mm-hmm. um, growing up a Met fan. They were really, really good when they were in the world series in 2000. I could say that I watched probably every single inning of every single game that year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, as as time went on, like you get older, you go to college, you have other priorities. So I right. mean, definitely don't watch every single inning anymore. But the point is that I would be willing to if I did have the time. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's awesome. I respect that. Um, <laughs> I definitely did watch every minute of the uh, the playoff run, though. That that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great. But let's get a l- little bit into, as you know, we are a Mike Stud podcast. And yes. um, we've, uh, myself, I just came back from a bender of a weekend, uh, <laughs> went to two different shows. So um, how, tell us a little bit about how you got into Mike and, and why yeah. you like him. I tell you, this is a dream because there's not a lot of, personally, I don't, he doesn't have a huge following on Long Island from what I see. Like, I, I have a couple friends that like him but i also have a lot of friends that like despise him or never heard of him so it's Mm -hmm. nice that i can talk with some like-minded people here but to answer the question the first time i heard about him was in my junior year of college right when he came out in 2011 um he he had on my way i think was was his was his most viewed song at that time outside of college humor and my friend my friend's friend was running like a, a a rap blog and it was called did you hear that swag and he would put up like uh um unknown artists basically and he put up mike stud and i listened to it and from the first time that i listened to him honestly i could say i i immediately was interested in his story as the former baseball player i related i just that's where i was in my life at the same exact time i was trying to come back from from an injury um i always liked rap music at the time my favorite artist was jay cole i felt like i related to him but not on i never experienced anything that jay cole did i just related to you know his kind of the way he his, his his come up so to speak um so i always liked him but when i heard of mike stud i was like this couldn't be any more of a parallel to me and um so i you know that was when he only had the toast of Tommy, but I even remember when Click came out the next summer, his mixtape put Huey Mack. Um, the first show I went to was the Stud Nation tour. Um, I think it was Irving Plaza in the <laughs> fall of 2012. Um, I went with my my girlfriend at the time. I mean, I don't remember much of, of that night, to be honest <laughs> with you, but I probably went to like five or six of his shows. Um, and 
I listen to him just about every day, I would say. The last album is, is phenomenal, as you guys probably agree. And honestly, I would probably go to the show this Saturday, but at 27 and with the business, I feel like it's it's not as acceptable to be at his shows anymore. I'll be <laughs> Listen, everyone, everyone's welcome. Yeah. Um, just You'd so- be amazed, man. Some of the people I saw in Boston, oh, Portland. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, there's like fathers that are there. And at least I can say I'm not, you know, I'm not in my 40s, but I just, uh, I don't know. It's tougher for me to justify going, especially with cop- Division One baseball opens this weekend. So mm. I do feel like I have an obligation to that. Yeah, of no course. doubt. He'll probably come back around anyways at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure he'll catch him in the future. And I I should have thrown in there. I have met him a couple times. Actually, one time was was strange because, as you guys might know, his sister was married, I think, to a guy named Jeff Xavier. And they had a a celebrity all-star game at my college at Delphi. And he tweeted that he was going to be there. And that was my college. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go. And that was in the summer of 2012. And I had just gotten back from my surgery. And, um, you know, I was nervous. I was like, holy shit. But nobody really knew who he was. I think maybe like three people went up to him the whole game. <laughs> um, so I, I went up to him and I was like, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan. I was like, I, uh, I really relate to you. I'm coming back from an injury. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, had, I got hurt. And I knew I knew the story and everything. Um, but I asked him like about how how difficult it was for him to, you know, to live through that period of time. Um, I asked him about if he had his command and his velocity. And he said that he was able to get his velocity, but not his command, which was really why his career came to an end. And that was cool. We took a picture. I remember putting it up on Instagram and like three people probably liked it when <laughs> when instagram first came out but a couple of people knew who he was and then um i met him he came to patchogue which is where i live now um he did a show at the emporium and afterwards he went to public house which is uh you know a big ratchet college bar over here and i'm pretty he, sure i was at that show oh yeah and he was he was drinking with everybody and um and it was a blast. I mean, I talked to him, I remember, for like probably five or ten minutes. Yeah. And as you guys know, I probably don't remember the whole thing, but, you know. <laughs> that seems to be a reoccurring uh, yeah. yeah. sentence exactly. when you're telling these stories. But I think we could all agree he's he's a wicked, genuine dude. I mean, mm-hmm. just from talking to him this weekend, it was just like, the guy can just, I mean, he's just so relatable and like, Mm-hmm. He was just genuinely just wanted to have a conversation with you. Like, you know, he just random stranger comes up to him. And I mean, he, mm-hmm. he bought everyone. I, he probably does it for every city, but he, I mean, mm-hmm. he went up before he got on stage and bought everyone, made sure everyone in the room had a shot of fireball really? and he took a <laughs> shot with us. So, uh, you know, he, he's a good dude. And he, like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, when I was talking to him, he was like, uh, I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, uh, Kyle Brown. Like, we DM some, like, we Instagram sometimes, and uh, or I tweet at you sometimes. He's like, yeah. Ky-. Well, at first he was like Kyle something, and then he was like, oh, I was like Kyle Brown. He's like, oh yeah, Kyle Brown. I know who you are. We just DM'd <laughs> yesterday. That's so he funny. he like it's cool how he he connects and he can he can and I, you know I've seen it before with how he does it with his fans. He's like, oh, I I remember you. I know you. Yeah. Like, just mm-hmm. from you know all over. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, obviously, he's not, um, you know, Post Malone's level with, with millions of fans, but it still says something that he can remember when he has thousands of fans at, at an event. And, you know, 
obviously at some point he won't be able to do this. And I think I'm interested to see what, what happens once he gets that mainstream success. Cause he's not going to be able to, you know, have a meet and greet with, and meet every single person. Right. And that's not to take anything away from him. I wouldn't judge him if he stopped doing it, but he definitely can't have the low key, um, you know, persona that he has once he goes mainstream that's for sure but i, I am ready for the new music that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I mean, you were the one that told me i didn't know he was releasing another album i i mean the last one was like what 24 songs i didn't think he had another 30 that he hadn't released. oh yeah he's got them lock and loaded my friend <laughs> awesome well, you met him. Did you say anything? To him? I, I didn't ask him. I, I, I always feel weird asking like stuff like that's not he did mention at the Boston show that he's got some, once he gets back from tour, he's got some stuff that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously a lot of stuff that we don't know about right now, but that's going to mm-hmm. come. It's going to yeah. get clearer as at when he gets back to L.A. So, yeah. And I also um, what was I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, uh, no. Continue. I'm sorry. What? No. Um, what so just to be clear, you heard his music before you knew his story? Uh yeah. Um when my that, friend that's sent awesome. it to me. Uh yeah, yeah, what was the other on my way was one of my favorite ones. Oh, and in this life, that was oh, right, right. one. Yeah, because yeah, that's in- interesting. I, I always like to ask that too, because uh especially because you're a baseball fan and you like you said, you guys connect on a lot of different uh levels. But I was mm-hmm. it's just I wanted to ask uh, which one you heard of first. Yeah, I, I would say In This Life was probably the first one. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. When when I was, uh, I noticed that song that he put on Spotify and I had messaged you about it. And now he took it off of Spotify. So I guess somebody messed up. <laughs> which, which one was that? Fly You to the Moon. It was like, oh, yeah. Week. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think that's the one he's going to drop uh, t- tomorrow night. I don't. I, I, I don't get how it, it got. Really, I, I guess it was just an accident. Or whatever. Yeah, it, it happens sometimes. I I remember one time it there was um, our guy Mason who's been on this show a couple times. Um, he's like the biggest. He has he runs the biggest yeah, fan it, page account. If it if it's Mike Stud stuff happened, if Mason doesn't know it or Kyle doesn't know it, <laughs> it didn't happen. Then. Yeah, yeah. It didn't happen. what's the name of his account? Um, it's Home just like Steve's. Home of the Steve's. Oh, yeah. Mike follows him and everything, so oh, yeah, definitely I, check uh, that out. Yeah, I've commented on his pictures. I follow him. Yeah, Mason's mm-hmm. a close friend of the podcast for sure. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. He's, but yeah, he's and, uh, he found that he found another, or he found someone that like leaked a song like the night before Mike was supposed to release it, and he put it like on his like story, and Mike told him to take it down. <laughs> so, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. So it it happens. Quick, I mean, quick side note, Kyle. Um, I, I don't know how I just thought of this right now, and it's after all that shit happened, and the album's out now, so we could talk about it. How crazy was it? And uh, I'll be very interested to talk about it on the podcast now. How crazy was it uh, with that kid who sent us all the unreleased tracks from Mike? You remember that? Oh, from the Genius account or whatever. Whatever that was, right? Mm. I'm like, what the fuck? I'll be and, very. I did. Did you ever like make that link if it was real or not? No, it it, it definitely was. It, he thought right. it was the track list for the Keep Going album. Right. It was it? I mean, and some kid. I mean, I think some kid in his like Instagram live 
like commented, "Who runs your genius account?" Because the, whoever does, the kid's a moron. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I don't know. I remember, I remember that kid sending us some stuff, and I was like, "Listen, if it don't come from Mike," but I remember it being like super detailed and like, "Yeah, I wanted to bring it up to you again." But yeah, man, I got a funny story too. That night that I was at public house with them, uh, Blue was absolutely wasted, mm. and I remember. Call me shocked. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he, they weren't going to let him into public house, and they don't know who he is. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, from there or anything. And, oh, they weren't going to let him in, not just because he was drunk, but because he was just wearing a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing a jacket, and I was inside. And I was like, oh, that's my friend. And I gave him my, my jacket, and they let him in. And then wow. he, didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even say, like, thank you or anything. He was so Of course, he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I have to say, I was I was probably dr- way drunker than Blue was on Saturday last Saturday night, and that's that's a shock. That's saying something, that, yeah. that's saying something right there. Actually, yeah. I'd say some good though, because these guys have had quite the run, and it's nice to see them kind of chilling and relaxing and enjoying themselves a little more than fucking, and it's healthier. Yeah, no, I've yeah. noticed that on this tour, they've they've kind of toned down the shenanigans a little bit. Yeah. For sure, but, but the fucking fans seem to be doing their job. So Jesus! Oh what? my God, the fans are wild. Still. Kyle, tell me a little bit about what happened at the Boston show. Well, so right after um, the <laughs> right after the show ended, I mean, our before uh, I'll start before the show ended. Like two songs before, he was telling security, like, "Yo, you got to calm down. You got to calm down." And he he went around like the whole venue and like shook fans hands then he got he got up on on the bar like where like the fans go and buy buy booze and he was like yo get me two bud lights and the bartender's like no he was like so he stopped in the middle of a set like he was in the middle of a song i forget which one it was and like literally was like we'll pay you we're gonna pay you give me two bud lights right now and then she just wouldn't she wouldn't give it to him it was it was unreal and then and then I have no idea. They were just security was just a fucking bunch of assholes all at both at both venues. Um, and then it, after the show, there was like we, this girl who was just extremely gone, and she just wanted to mouth off to the security officer. And so we're me and my cousins are walking down the stairs to get to exit the venue, and this girl's just absolutely throwing haymakers at the security guard, and just this <laughs> giant fight just starts breaking out. So there's like 10 Boston police cops lined up as we're walking out of the venue. Kids are getting cuffed. I mean, there's girls crying on the ground. It was it was a disaster. So Friday night, the next night, Mike tweeted out, watch out what you guys do. Boston police are they're in full fledged, right? They're trying to they're trying to shut us down Mm -hmm. because of what happened. So what did he open up to win? Yeah. What does that stand for? I wonder if you. I was curious if you guys know. Um, I, somebody told me one time, and I can't think of it up right now off the top of my head. Kyle would know. I would know, and I I can't think of it. You know, but another thing that maybe you guys would know. Um, I remember probably like two years ago after Jim came out, which was one of my favorite songs that year. Mm-hmm. He released a video on Instagram to it, and I don't know if it's not there anymore or if I just can't find it. But it was really cool, and I wish he would have released that on YouTube. But it was just like a thirty-second freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. Well, he did turn um, that uh, one of his freestyles into a song. It, it was off oh, high it was, hopes. Right? High hopes. Yeah, that oh, was I dope. Yeah, hell yeah, that was a good one. Um, 
I'm trying to. Oh, I know another song that that he never uh, put on an album or anything, but it was when he was younger, called Critic. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I always listen to that on my Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm surprised it's even on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was way back, 2012, maybe 11. There's, yeah, there's so many like of these like miscellaneous stud songs that you just come mm-hmm. come across in your playlist. And you're like, yeah. when the fuck did he make that? <laughs> yeah, and that's why I that's the only thing I don't like about Spotify is that if it's not on an album or released through there, that's why you need to you know I still will listen to YouTube for that reason. Mm-hmm. Songs like uh, "Hold On, We're Coming Home" remix or like "Summer." Um, that calvin harris song he did a good remix with oh that. yeah but like it's i remember what, i used to have to like dig to like download the mp3 file to make sure yeah. it's, it was on my itunes <laughs> you know yep. well <laughs> but, i remember years ago when uh before i had spotify if i wanted something on my ipod I would go on youtube and then copy the link to video to mp3.com and then oh yeah and then put it to, uh, drag and drop it into my iTunes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I did that on this once, and we got a we got a copyright violation. <laughs> yeah, it was like a little Uzi song or something. But huh. yeah, um, that's happened to me on my business Instagram account. <laughs> and then LimeWire and stuff. <laughs> well, that's going LimeWire. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, good times, good times. Well, thanks, Vin. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I really my appreciate buddy, it. Guys. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Great. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for the time, guys. My pleasure. Come on the pod anytime. Absolutely. I'm done. All right. Have a good one. Peace, bro. Hello, 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 hello to the world. Thanks for tuning in. I'm in the building now. I think I'm moving in. And I'm going to do it big. Double XL. I got the critics sick. I pray they get well, well. Well, it pays to be the bigger man. Damn, cause getting paid is in the bigger plan. All for the music, it's hard, but it pays straight. Staying hungry, cause my pockets wanna gain weight. Wait, so you could call me what you want, but I'm out here on my own, doing everything I want. Want. Just a story of an up and comer who turned his whole life around in the fucking summer. Been working hard at this music. Been working hard every day. I told the world that I'ma do it, and I don't care what they say. Nah, I don't care what they're saying. Nah, nah. Everybody is a critic, critic, and I ain't really tryna hear it. Nah, nah. 'Cause everybody is a critic, critic. And now I'm living on the road, and I just want the ball, so I give and then I go. And I'm swerving in the lane, something German on the frame. Can't stop, won't stop, we burning up the game, man. I got a flat out in London, I ain't talking tires. I got a grip up on the game, I ain't holding pliers. They said we couldn't make it, they all liars. Like the Statue of Liberty, I'ma always have fire, fire. Just to prove the people wrong, they said we couldn't make it, they said that we'd be gone, gone. But we on, 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 and this is the life for me. Yeah, yeah. Been working hard at this music, music. Been working hard every day. I told the world that I'ma do it, do it, and I don't care what they say. Nah, I don't care what they're saying. Nah, nah. Everybody is a critic, critic, and I ain't really tryna hear it. Nah, nah. 'Cause everybody is a critic. Been working hard at this music. Been working hard every day. I told the world that I'ma do it, 
And I don't care what they say